This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Welcome back to the program. Remember, we're here weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern. Also looking for your pictures, folks, for Halloween. See how many we can get into and throw out on the show if you dressed up in your costume. Uh, we'd like to get them today if you maybe had your costume on over the weekend or feel like testing it, test driving it tomorrow morning. Maybe get it together and send it to us with a real brief description. And you can send it to the email, Kelly and Ramya, K-E-L-L-Y-A-N-D-R-A-M-Y-A at AMI.ca. And we can see if we can squeeze into the show otherwise we might get greedy and halloween might be here all week grant do you celebrate your birthday all week uh i would love to yeah so are you a birthday person you know what i i find that i haven't been in my 30s which is really disappointing i i turned 30 uh, just as the pandemic was starting so i was pretty much uh, i had my partner but i was otherwise isolated and ever since then things have been really quiet which i guess is the reality kelly of being an adult is that people don't plan <laughs> big surprise parties for me anymore <laughs> oh, Darn man. It. there are people i know that absolutely love it it's the biggest thing to them i've never understood that even as a kid i was not a big fan of the you know big to do certainly i'm not going to suggest for a moment <laughs> that i didn't mind the odd gift and that i think i celebrated <laughs> halloween more i i loved it even if i didn't get to do too much it was just uh, just such a great time and, oh. and uh, you know, really fun. And, and no matter where I was, because remember a lot of that time I was at the blind school and we sure. couldn't go out trick-or-treating, but they certainly did what they could to, to make it nice for us. Um, well, Grant Hardy joining me here on the program. Um, he's, he's learning the ropes of backup co-hosting. Danielle McLaughlin is here. We're about to get into our Know Your Rights segment. And Danielle has a tremendous gift, a gift guest on board with us today on the program. So let's bring in for Know Your Rights, Danielle McLaughlin. Hey, Danielle. Welcome back. Hi, Danielle. Sorry, there was a, my, yeah. You know, don't you love it when you try to enter a Zoom call and then your computer tells you that Zoom is updating? Sorry about oh, that. Oh, good heavens, I, yes. I, I, was <laughs> literally, I was literally sitting there like, why are they not letting me into the meeting yeah, today? And then I, I realized apologize. there was an extra button I had to push. <laughs> ah, oh, so good heavens. Yeah, you know, Thanks for the tip. I better use it at some point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Danielle, we better turn, uh, turn the segment over yes. to you uh, so we don't Thank eat up you. too much time. This is an important Great. topic. It is. And we are very fortunate to have a special guest with us today. Kelly McDermott is a lawyer and the president of the Ontario Bar Association. Recently, she launched a special initiative for the OBA, a peer support network for lawyers living with disabilities. Welcome to the Kelly and Ramya show, Kelly. This is going to get confusing with all the Kellys. <laughs> this is a multiple <laughs> Kelly event. Yep. And I'm, For I'm, sure. disappointed. I didn't, I'm so disappointed I didn't know to wear my Halloween costume today because I had it all locked and loaded, but um, oh. I'll, I'll send the pictures. <laughs> uh, that would well, be awesome. We'd love it. Well, I, I, I now leave, leave the terrific Halloween costumes to other members of my family because they're so good at it. And I am not. <laughs> I am really happy that you, you are here to join us, Kelly McDermott. And could you please tell us a bit about this new initiative that the that is uh, started with the Ontario Bar Association? 
Yeah, so when I started um, my presidency in March of this year, it was it was really my mission to ensure that all lawyers can benefit from an engaged, inclusive, and empathetic legal community um, that, that not only celebrates each other's successes, but but shows up for each other when, when life challenges uh, or, or unforeseen changes happen. And, and this is, I really think, what sets our association apart. We're there for our, our members, not just in their careers as lawyers, but their lives as lawyers. And the work we do as lawyers is frequently high stress, high impact, um, strength and success are often very synonymous. And so there traditionally hasn't been a lot of room for, for vulnerability, for humanity. And this is why we established uh, the peer link just six months into my presidency. It is a peer support network, um, an online portal that connects lawyers with resources and each other to share their experiences with those who understand their specific challenges. So, um, you know, it's where we're, we're building connections for lawyers, lawyers who are parents, uh, caregivers, members of equity seeking groups. And we've created, as you noted, our first of its kind network for lawyers living disabilities, which is near and dear to my heart. Um, which provides some helpful links and resources. We, we've sorted it out so it's available for all lawyers across every region of Ontario. Um, there's a discussion forum, and most importantly, we've developed a calendar of peer support meetings, which um, we, we have every second Thursday, um, uh, no matter what, it's a safe and confidential space for lawyers living with disabilities to share, to listen, to learn, to um, to gain ideas. So it's it's been really great. I've had the honor of facilitating the very first um, peer support meeting for lawyers living with disabilities in September. I was just so inspired by the engagement of our members who came together in this really safe, judgment-free space. Well, that sounds wonderful. Now, have you yourself had experiences that spurred you on to create this uh, peer support network? Yes, this was, you know, born from first hand experience. Like many of us during COVID, my workload tripled overnight. I had some significant life crisis and that, you know, delicate balance you have between um, work and and uh, and your family life was just gone. I was depleted. I was very depressed, and and I endured not because I was particularly resilient, but I had this tremendous support from the OBA. Um, you know, not only for sort of the pragmatic tools and resources to stay on track professionally, but also providing really valuable mental health offering and that vital peer support network. And, and further, I'm a lawyer who lives with a disability, um, an autoimmune condition. I am a caretaker to someone who lives with a disability, and I'm a single mom. And I know how isolating it can feel um, when you're alone in that struggle and how empowering it is to have others, lawyers to connect to, who have similar lived experiences, a similar community of interest. And with that motivation in mind, I, I really wanted to make sure that that no lawyer feels the need to hide their struggles or feel alone in their struggles. And and that's where this peer peer link support came from to create just more accessible networks and avenues for for meaningful peer support and, and knowledge sharing. And again, six months in, I'm so proud to say that we've um, been able to translate that sort of organic magic of the OBA into into the peer link network. Oh, this sounds wonderful. Now, do you think that lawyers with disabilities have historically had difficulty finding accommodation? I, I think there are many ways to accommodate lawyers living with disabilities. Um, we saw through COVID that this profession can pivot and adapt to accommodate change. Um, 
And I think just from my own sort of anecdotal experience and, and my day job as a, a human resources lawyer, um, you know, I think the problem is twofold. There are many lawyers, many lawyers who have disabilities like my own, which um, are invisible. And a lot of lawyers will try to hide or downplay their struggles for fear of stigma or losing opportunities. So while there are many accommodations that could be available, sometimes often really simple ones, um, there are still lawyers who are not self-identifying and not therefore not getting the proper accommodations they need. And and certainly, um, you know, I did this myself for almost a decade. I never I never talked about my disability. I tried to hide it. And, and when I commenced my presidency, I really realized how important it was uh, for me to get a bit brave to try to empower other lawyers to, you know, speak their truth, to seek accommodations and, and to to be succeed, successful in their careers. The other thing uh, I think that's a bit difficult in the legal profession is we still place a lot of emphasis on time as opposed to deliverables and quality of work. And that kind of really limits the pool of the types of accommodations that might be available. Um, I, I am very lucky in my day job at the region of Durham. Um, I'm a senior lawyer there. We have developed a real team approach to files, which just allows people, allows life to show up and not have a massive impact on the deliverable to the client or the work product. And it's been really a key accommodation for, for my circumstances as well as other members of my team. Well, that's really good to know. I know that it may, may be that, that people who work in firms or sole practitioners may have different experiences from people working with government or from uh, you know non-government agencies, but it's I guess your network really includes everybody um, who is practicing as a lawyer and and finds that that they they need to touch base with with other people who are in a similar circumstance. Has the network grown in numbers of participants since it began? You know, when I started the network, um, numbers were kind of irrelevant to me. I thought, gosh, if one lawyer shows up and we can have a real conversation, you know, that's one lawyer who's going to feel less alone and maybe perhaps empowered to advocate for themselves and, and have a more rewarding career. We are, are now four sessions in. Like I said, we hold the meetings bi-weekly, Thursdays, 7 to 9, no registration required. It is completely safe and confidential space. Uh, and we took a great deal of time to an effort through the engagement of a consultant, Doran Gold, to ensure that we set the structure mm -hmm. up just right. And I have been blown away by the number of lawyers who have showed up. Um, people are returning week after week. We are picking up new participants every meeting. And the meetings have been raw and emotional at times and, you know, constructive and idea generating at other times. I just, I felt very blessed to be part of this, part of this group. It's been quite amazing. No. Do you have a plan to collect any any data, or is this strictly, you know, in confidence? And we're and and this isn't something where you you plan to generate a report or you know have some sort of generic idea of what lawyers who live with disabilities are facing. Yeah, the original intent was it was supposed to be a confidential place for people just to speak and find support. Um, you know, however organically ideas are being generated through this group, um, which you know has created a whole host of ideas that we are starting to action, um, including uh, you know highlighting accommodation champions in our profession to spur in others to do the same, um, creating an accommodations idea resource for employers and firms. So basically putting tried and tested accommodations that have been successful and utilized in the profession to assist other firms to brainstorm ideas, think outside of the box. 
Um, and we're also working on creating some supportive tools for, for the courts about accommodating not only lawyers with disabilities, but those um, clients who, who are, have disabilities as well. Um, in particular, a very, a very big interest of mine is around neurodiversity. And so we've been doing, we have a, a great deal of work coming in the future on, on um, neurodiversity and accommodations in the workplace and in the courts. Wow, that these things are so badly needed, and it's wonderful to hear that you 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 really have your your finger on the pulse of of what is happening out there. Um, that's marvelous news. Um, I know that the OBA has has had something called "Not Another Decade" uh, as an initiative. D does this, in some way, fit in with that initiative, or is this completely separate? So the Not Another Decade initiative was um, done by the initiated by the past past president, Charlene Theodore. And the, the point of that initiative was to turn up the dial and give real tangible objective um, movement um, to include racialized and indigenous lawyers in the profession in a more meaningful way. Um, you know, this this does move the needle when we're looking at equity, diversity, and inclusion as a whole, because uh, this mm -hmm. this is about finding more spaces for inclusion. And and while we started the peer support network to be, um, we you know we've tested it out with the lawyers living with disabilities. The intent is these networks can grow. Um, so as need is as need is decided. So I mentioned another one we have is um, for caretakers. Uh, for for parents, um, there, there's some other groups that are going to organically grow from this. So, you know, I, I think this is absolutely um, spinning off of the work of my my predecessor Charlene to um, really to really push the envelope and push objective, tangible results for EDI initiatives um, such that, such as she created. Wow, that's it. It sounds like you know a really positive step forward. Are, are your meetings um, virtual or do you actually meet in, in a location? So right now they're they're virtual. Um, we've set them up on on purpose because you know we we represent sixteen thousand members across the province, right? So we want to make this accessible for as many of our members as possible. Um, and we do have a lot of actively engaged members from all parts of this province. So um, that made a lot of sense to us to to keep it in the virtual realm. It, it also I think provided people a bit more. Um, you know, confidential space. We, we didn't want to limit it to Toronto because, you know, then we were only going to get people who were local. And I, I think the intent for us was to was to cast the net wide and, and and try to capture as many lawyers as we possibly could. I mean, when I came out with my mandate, I was getting calls from cold calls from lawyers who've been struggling in the workplace, who've had disabilities, like right across Ontario. There was not, it wasn't sort of regionally centered in Toronto. I was getting calls from all across the province. So we really see that there was a need for uh, this discussion to happen, not just in a you know downtown core area, but but across the entire province. Uh so so nice to hear that that it becomes accessible in that way. Do you think that during COVID, when uh, numbers of courts went online, that people suddenly got the idea that it would be possible to accommodate people in in this way use, using, say, digital courtrooms? As I know, the the new Toronto courtroom has, um, you know, it has been set up so that that things can can happen both virtually and and in person. Do do you think that this has provided a benefit to uh, lawyers who live with disabilities? Oh, it, it has provided a, a 
monster benefit to lawyers living with disabilities um, because the the system which was you know hadn't done much change the court system hadn't changed very much um, all of a sudden it had to pivot very quickly overnight and it made it possible for many lawyers to have better access um, to to courts it was from a perspective of regional um, participation it helped it helped uh, clients as well to participate better. Um, I, I think it has had a massive push and has just demonstrated that change is absolutely possible and that we as a profession can pivot quickly to, to accommodate, um, you know, in that case, we accommodated the world pandemic, but to accommodate the needs of lawyers and clients. Well, thank you so much, Kelly. I really appreciate your joining us. I do apologize for that glitch at the beginning. I'm sure that uh, that it you know it, people were tuned in to really hear what's what's happening with the Ontario Bar Association. And just quickly, if people want more information, can they go to the OBA uh, website to find out about this? Yeah, it's oba.org. The peer support network is right on our front page. Um, and like I said, these meetings are not exclusive to members of the Ontario Bar Association. It is open to all lawyers across Ontario. Uh, no registration is required. And uh, our next meeting is happening um, next Thursday at 7 p.m. till 9 p.m. So, you know, if any lawyers out there are, are hearing me, they hope that they will, will join and come hear what it's all about. Thank you so much. That Thank was that was Kelly McDermott, president of the Ontario Bar Association, talking with us today about the new peer support network for lawyers living with disabilities. Thank you, Danielle. And hopefully we'll get that costume. But tell you what, folks, that information <laughs> was 100% value. We'll forgive Kelly if she doesn't get a chance to send that picture over to us. But wonderful guest. Thank you, Danielle. We can talk to Danielle Thank McLaughlin you, Danielle. here on Know Your Rights every Monday. We do this uh, and get into conversation. Tremendous one today. Coming up next on the program, when Grant and I return, we'll wrap up the show and find out what's coming up on the next edition of Now with Dave Brown. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts. 